0: This is the CX Insights Rockstars Podcast, and this is your host, Dr. Frank Buckler, founder and CEO of CXAI. Let's rock this show.
1: Hi, CX Insight Rockstars. Welcome to our new episode, How CX Insight Leaders Gain Leadership Buying in by Thomas Barda. Hi, Thomas.
0: Hi, Frank. Good to see you.
1: Let let me introduce you, Thomas is world's premier marketing leadership expert. He works at the intersection of customer focus and leadership, and he conducted world's largest study and interviewed over 68,000 executive assessment uh, on what makes for an impactful customer leader. Thomas is a former McKinsey partner, and he's a co-author of the past breaking book, the 12 powers of marketing leaders. So, and because of this, uh, I invited you, Thomas, to our session because the main pain point of customer insights leaders is actually to gain leadership buy-in. And I hope you can help the audience here in this matter. So maybe let's start off and uh, start with your personal story. How did you... End up actually becoming a guru for marketing leadership.
0: Uh, thanks, Frank. So um yeah, let's see if I'm a guru, but I, I'd say I know a thing about it. And it started pretty early. In fact, it started when I was six, and I was the kid that loved advertising. I did actually didn't watch a movie. I mainly watch advertising. My parents got crazy about it. They're like, "No, this is wrong, right? You gotta, you know, do other things." And then, no, I want to become an advertising guy. And my parents didn't like it. Then kids do what. Parents tell them not to do. So I became a marketer. I uh, did everything you do in marketing—from pricing to sales to to promotions to advertising, lots of market research, in fact. And then when I was a marketing director, that's that was the time when not everybody was a CMO. That marketing director was the top title. I got sick and tired of it because I said, "You know what? We know what customers want, and then finance makes the decisions." I'm out of here. So I quit. And I joined McKinsey to tell CEOs how marketing really works and why customers are important. And then when I went to CEOs, I figured out they already knew that. So there wasn't much news, but of course that was the moment when I saw myself in the form of my clients. So the marketers, the research people sitting in a boardroom, trying to convince the board of what's important and then sometimes failing. And then sometimes people from finance and operations getting their way. And at McKinsey, I was always the. I was also the dean of McKinsey's internal leadership program, and that's where we teach McKinsey leaders, insight uh, leaders, marketing leaders, transformation leaders. All these people have influence without authority, and I thought, "Wow, let's bring that back to marketers," so and that's why I quit. Uh, did the research that you mentioned uh, on. Um, the success of marketing and insight leaders, in fact, as you said, we had uh, sixty-eight thousand assessments to play with from inside Business School, so we could crunch them. We built a neural network model, by the way, Frank, with your help, hugely uh, useful, where we try to figure out what the real reasons are, the real drivers, as you would say it, for people's success in marketing, and that's what I do now.
1: Let's talk a bit about your book. Yeah, it's it's about how marketing leaders can become more influential why did it, did it needed this book
0: because there wasn't one i think that was the starting point point. and you know at mckinsey i had this idea already so we need to help marketers. we need to help them be more successful and then the way mckinsey would do this they would say okay let's look at the global research and insight base and let's draw from this and let's make it better and then we looked and there was nothing There was, there is nothing, nobody ever, which is surprising, and nobody really ever thought about how marketers survive, how inside leaders survive, how they make it in their job. And I said, okay, that's, we need to write it. (laughs) And in fact, I didn't write it on my own. It was uh, together with Patty Barweiss and the 12 powers of a marketing leader has indeed become the leadership book for marketers, also because there isn't another one. So it seems we've written something that, still, you know, is kind of new uh, in marketing.
1: So, can you condense this 12, probably this 12 are the 12 key learnings, right?
0: Well, yeah, yes, exactly. So first off, when you need a book title, you always need something that looks, uh, sounds fancy. Ours isn't that fancy, but the 12 of course came from the research, came from the neural network model that again, as people know, perhaps you've built. And we found these 12 dimensions. Um, and but I can I think we can talk a little bit about, about the insights and uh, from that I think that that the high level idea is that leading customer insights, leading marketing, leading any role that has to do with customers is very different from doing customer insights from doing marketing. There's a there's huge difference and it's massive. And in fact, the success of insight leaders to the largest extent is not driven by functional skills, by your models, models are important, don't get me wrong, or by, you know, the tools you're using or the, you know, the, the company you work in, but it's by your own leadership skills to make the case for your work. And I explain, if you want to explain a little bit about what that means, but that is the high level insight from that book.
1: So, and now what are the tricks? <laughs>
0: what are How the tricks? do you get
1: influential? How do you get influential? How do you get
0: Exactly. That's what we want to know. Now I'll tell you in a minute, but let me, if you don't mind, let me step back just for a moment and let's think about why it is difficult. Because if you want to fix the problem, we need to see what the what the actual problem is. So let's think about you are an insight leader, right? You are talented, you have great tools, you work with you build neural network models, you um you apply, you understand how drivers work, you really do fantastic work. So technically fantastic work. So you really know what's going on. But then there's a problem because if just think about it, I mean, the the first one is go to a conference and listen to the world's latest insight tools and you will go mad because there is a gazillion of those options. Now, many of those options aren't necessarily useful. The the useful things we know, right, are the fundamental proper models to build the, the neural networks, these driver analysis, these, basic stats that you can run also qualitative work i mean this is known but there is every single day there's a new tool coming out so you always feel like i don't i don't really know all of this and while the tools are great they also take a little bit of confidence away because you always feel like oh my god there's so much more right if you know your basic things you're actually good but many people don't feel that skills gap the second one is now you imagine you have your wonderful insights and you understand what customers want and what's important, and now you want to convince people, and then all of a sudden you realize that you don't have the power to make these things happen, because there is the finance department, and there's the operations department, and the sales department, and there is the there is the shop, there the you know, warehouse, and then there is production, and then there are people in a different different sales people themselves. Then you have frontline staff, and 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 all of these people don't report to you, right? So and you but you need them. To make your insights happen so you will always as an insider you have this massive power gap and it's normal in fact if you do customer experience the only person who can basically call any shots is the ceo because it's across the firm right so it's power gap. and the third one is the trust gap you have data that proves things from the past and that's really good it's also predictive but you can't really prove that if you change it, the future will definitely be like this, right? And 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 that's why sometimes people think, yeah, there's this report, they've done all this analysis, but is it really true? And are you sure? So, and, there, and, and you know, there's a bit of fortune telling involved in what you do. So you will always have that trust gap. So the skills gap, the power gap and the trust gap, that makes your job tricky. That makes it tricky. And that is why leadership is important versus all the other things that you need. Of course, you need great tools. Otherwise you're out of the door. That's why this is important. So I'll pause there for a minute because i love to come with, with uh, what you can do. But but just briefly, Frank, when I talk about skills gap and power gap and trust gap, does it resonate? Is this kind of like aligned with the experience you have with people? And we can talk about how we fix it.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So hundred uh, percent. And so the root of thinking would be to address those gaps, the trust gap, the power gap?
0: Yeah, you need, right? I mean, first off, you need good data. Or you need good analysis. And, and we all know there is good analysis and there's terrible analysis. There's crap in, crap out. You've seen this. There are reports that nobody reads and so on. That is your job to get right. You got to have pro- proper researcher models. That's, huge. That's hugely important. It's your entry ticket. Okay, a couple of things then you have to get right. And I'll list a few that are probably most important. The first one is you have to be relevant with the work in relation to what's really important inside the firm. And we call this working inside the, the value creation zone. And what I mean with this is this, you have things you want to bring. You typically want to bring ideas that make customers more happy or attract more customers. So that's relevant in the market. That is your expertise. You know how to do that, but that's only half because here's what the company wants. If, see, if you ask the CEO, what are the three things you're worried about right now? Let's, it will be very interesting, right? There are for some companies, if the company is in a crisis, right? Maybe the CEO worries about cost, about you know the organization and how to reshuffle things and maybe about strategy. Maybe customers aren't on that agenda, it could be, right? Then your report will no, go nowhere. But maybe on the agenda is growth, which is true in many firms then the question is interesting. So how can I connect my work to what's important? So make a list of your projects, check out what the priorities are and then bring it together and see how much of this work is inside that value creation zone. Hugely important. I think it's a tip number one. If you remember anything from that podcast, that's what I want want you to remember. There are a few more things. Um, sometimes people do not understand why your work is important. And if you bring a lot of reports then it could be that people saying, yeah, that costs us a lot of money. Is it really helping? You can, you have to make that case. Just, so you have to stand, you have to associate yourself with whatever matters in the firm, like it, profitable revenue or revenue. And then be, yeah, but you, some people I hear, sometimes I hear inside people say, yeah, but you can't really do that because it's so indirect and we don't know. Did you ever hear a salesperson say that? You know, oh, I didn't sell that car. It was the, engineers who built it. And then, of course, there was, you know, production. And then we had the wonderful marketing team. And then we had, you know, the accounting. No, they wouldn't say that. It was also that car. So why don't you go and say, okay, I'm part of that 100 million revenue growth goal we are chasing. And I found 55 million last week by doing this and this analysis, which we still have to chase, by the way. By the way, on that note, where is sales on that, right? So that's something you got to associate I have one more tip for you um, among that. There's a long list of tips in the in the book, but I'd say one tip is you have very powerful data and you can, why is finance powerful, by the way? Why are they fine? Why is finance powerful? Just think about it. They're not selling anything. They're not making anything. They're just sitting there and just looking at numbers. And then that's no, not true. They're doing more, but you know, why are they so powerful? Because they have data that show how everybody else is performing. Is that fascinating? Well, you have the same. Why? If if you show week or months by months how this department is helping customers or not, how this department is helping customers or not, how this department is creating growth or not, how this department is delivering that or not, you will start to be in a very powerful position because no department leader wants to be in that like bottom right corner of the you know low performing. You can create that data. Think about this. How could you use data that can feed the firm forward that you show like finance is a very powerful way to use insights. There are a number more, but I think you, you see where I'm getting at. You yeah. got to make yourself relevant and you got to prove, got to make your case and perhaps use some of your insights to push the other people.
1: Very cool. Uh, so I remember this uh, two gaps, which is uh, the power gap and the trust gap. So the power gap, you will basically gain power by delivering value to other stakeholders, right? By identifying what's valuable to them mm. uh, and providing this as a product, basically, right? And this gives you power because they want to have it.
0: Exactly. And they think it connects, right? If they have a concern about revenue in country A in product B, and you say, hey, I have a, pro- I have a report for how you could improve revenue in country A in product B, they'll listen to you. If you go in and say I have a new great way of segmenting the market by a new methodology and they're like, yeah, whatever, right? So that's the thing. That's the difference. Yeah. This is internal market. You're going to make your product attractive. So people make better decisions.
1: So how do you close in
0: the trust gap? So the trust gap you close in a couple of ways. First off, you got to have good data. Uh, And if you produce mediocre analysis because you have a crap model or because you don't have your data, is just messy. It's, it wasn't done well. Your credibility can drain really fast because people will find out at one point. But but more importantly, I think it's cons- you got to cons- you got to work with the people on the issue. Yeah. So if you, for example, say let's say customer as a great one, customer experience is a great one is it is a tricky one to get right. But for example, if you consistently provide data, say for take this for example. I know how to get more people into a store because we found in our model, in our driver's model, that shop opening times are a massive driver of traffic. And if we extend it by half an hour, our report shows or our analysis shows we can gain that revenue. You start out there, then you work with people and and see what happens. And you work with you honest and say, okay, it did work, it didn't work. You go back and you, you redo the analysis and you become part of the team that tries to achieve that goal. You got to be open when things are different than expected. You, you lying doesn't get you more yeah. trust. It's that openness. It's that openness, and you got to join the team. You got to be part of them rather than an external department that shuffles reports into people. Yeah.
1: Your your example also assumes that you really need to be brave because oftentimes what I see are inside leaders don't are shy to really say you know what. If you do this, this will happen because there, there is a um, certain risk in this prediction involved, right? right? But if you don't take a stand, I think you will not gain trust, right?
0: That's right. And, and you, can, you can take a stand, but saying that that's, of course, the model, right? But everybody knows that that's the model. So you can be honest and say, okay, this is what we believe will happen. How can we find out together? Just don't, just don't hide, just don't lie. Be part of the team, but you have to come forward. You will. You cannot expect that the other people will ask you the right questions. You have to help the other people ask the right questions. And I've I've met great inside leaders who basically have an agenda. They say this is what I believe is important for the firm because it's in a value creation zone. That's what we're doing. They're doing consistent projects. They're scrapping a lot of terrible reports they don't need. They're focusing on a few things. But they work with the people. There's no surprises. Yeah, they're not like an external party that so they're just part of the team and that's what you want to become you want to be part of the team and not a supplier that sometimes gets asked or not that's the job now it takes a bit of bravery that is true it's sometimes uncomfortable maybe you aren't asked but that's the job right because your insights are worth absolutely nothing if people don't use them and that they that they use them that is your job too um so
1: now your book is basically illustrating or researching yeah, what makes a marketing leader influential towards their peers, basically the C-suite? Why is this insight applicable to basically uh, the another tier, which is the insight leaders, which need to sell to marketing, finance, operation, basically, right?
0: Why is so it- every time every time we we David, says, yeah, yeah, but that's marketers, but we are different, and then I, I tell you what. You put someone from HR, from insight, from marketing, and maybe take two other functions into one room and say, what are the issues? And the people say exactly the same things. It is like, how do I make the case for my work? They don't ask me. I am the it's indirect, right? Because what we do tomorrow doesn't immediately sell more. It's a similar issue set. So insight leaders are, the, the, the beauty in insight is that you have insight, right? Lots of marketers don't have insight and still have to make their case. You have data. And- you, you must not underestimate that power, but you got to behave differently. You got to behave like the CFO who has, who or he or she has data, but they're using it to exert power. But you got to put that on your agenda. It doesn't happen automatically. Nobody typically you won't get asked.
1: Behave like a CFO. That's like, remember remembers me to how, how do you get a, a superstar? You need first to behave like a superstar, right? <laughs>
0: It's well, we 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 become what we think about.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. And and uh, that's what very something else said, and and that is true. And, and right now we're running. We we turned the book into a course. It's called the Marketing Leadership Masterclass, and we have inside leaders. Marketing leaders, um, pricing leaders, people there, and they're discussing this. And yes, the imposter syndrome is a big debate, right? How do I overcome the fact that I'm actually good but don't believe it? How do I raise my voice? How do I? And that is that is the challenge we need to crack. But the good news is you can crack it. So me it... about
1: uh, about this master course. Is it how long is it? What is it? An online course? And
0: okay, so what we we started four years ago. To, to say, you know, we need more people to have those skills. And reading a book is always a good idea. Uh, by, by the way, buy the book. I get $1 each. You know, so as you can see, right? Publishing is not profitable. It's it's really get the word out. But, but then you've read it and it's gone. Now, the masterclass is different. What we have done is we've created um, a course where you are, where there's two things happening. One is we're going to feed you with ideas, short videos, not long, 10 minutes, five minutes for how you can step up lead upwards lead colleagues you know build teams that are more powerful create a vision for yourself and the second thing that happens is you are watching this together with peers on the platform you're debating so there's a whole debate going on about you know boardrooms how do i make the case people contribute ideas uh, and so on because that's the way that's the best way to learn yeah, not just for yeah, us. Yeah, uh, it's, it's only three months. It's, it's actually quite short. And we start in September of 50. So, Marketing Leadership Masterclass, very easy to find under my name. Uh, and we're doing it with Still Salar, the former Chief Marketing Officer of the yaju And she sat on the board as an insider marketing leader. So, she knows what we're talking about. But the point, and, and what, we, what we're seeing here is that we cannot build that confidence in the inside leaders because the inside leaders are typically very smart people. All they need is a bit of a nudge to push the boundaries.
1: So that's uh, nearly uh, the final word here. So we're also running out of time. Thomas, it was great to have you. Is there any questions that I forgot to ask you because it would be delighting, <laughs>
0: delighting for the audience? <laughs> you could ask me about my biggest insight failure.
1: Oh, maybe. Was, that, <laughs> was there <laughs> any? <laughs> Did you have any inside failure? Tell me. About oh, I had plenty
0: I think my, my. I just made that question up because I, I wondered what would be funny. But I think my biggest inside failure was when I was a consumer goods marketer. We got three or four reports every single week from agencies, standard reports because we bought them. And for years, I never ever challenged why on earth we're doing that. We didn't read them. Sales didn't read them. I mean, we had them, but it was almost like you you put them aside, like one of those books are going to read later and i didn't step in i did not step in. i didn't challenge my agency i didn't we just i just thought that that's what we get and i think that was that was a big mistake and i should have been much more active at the time challenging how what research we do how well we do it get behind the methodology to figure out is this bullshit or is this really really good and you'll be surprised how many agencies never get challenged by their clients when it comes to methodology because everything's oh that's the holy grail well you know Yes and no. So I think it's it's always good to get deep. So as an inside leader, I, I encourage you to take a stand for the work you do and you know prove your own quality. And if you don't think if you think sometimes something is not needed or helpful, get rid of it. Do better stuff.
1: Wonderful. I couldn't agree more, Thomas. Thank you very much for having for being in the show. I recommend everyone listening to read this book. It's it's a good read. Yeah, thanks for for being with us.
0: Thanks for having me, Frank. See you. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. This was an episode of CX Insights Rockstars. Join the CX Insights Rockstars on LinkedIn and keep on rocking CX Insights.